Uh, she's caught up in uh, what we would probably call New Age type of religion. It's not really religion, but spiritual teaching. Um, as we were talking, you know, she, she looks around and she sees Christians in the world, uh, at least people who claim to be Christians, but they don't really live out the principles of Christianity. And I think that's a hindrance to her when it comes to her personally coming to Christ, having a personal relationship with Christ. And you know, Mahatma Gandhi once said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. You know, when the world looks at us as believers and sees that we don't live like Christ, it's not attracted to Christianity. And so I'm burdened, and as we focus on missions, I think first of all we have to, before we can look any further, we need to look within and see our heart and if we personally are ready to do the work of missions. And we can go out and we can pass out tracts, we can tell people about the gospel, we can do all the things that a missionary does, but if our hearts are not in it, if our hearts are not right with the Lord, the world's going to see right through us. So tonight I want to speak on, the, the message is titled, Missions and Me, Living on Mission. Our life has to be on mission. Uh, who knows what the game uh, disc golf is? Anybody ever played disc golf? You know what I'm talking about? No, okay, uh, it was a sport that, David, do you know what it is? Okay, so at least one person here knows what it is. Uh, so you, you know what golf is, right? You hit the ball, you hit it in the hole. Well, this golf is when you take a Frisbee and you play golf with it. You, you have these uh, goals, that they have these baskets with these chains, and you try to throw it into the chains and it lands in the basket. And so it's, it's like golf, but you're using a Frisbee. All right, so um, it's a fun game, but, you know, sometimes... Uh, People aren't the best at throwing a Frisbee. Who's good at throwing a Frisbee? Anybody in here? I'm not, I'm not really that good at throwing Frisbee. So it's, it can be frustrating, just like golf. It can be frustrating. You're throwing this thing. You're trying to get to go in the basket, and you're just not having a good day. Uh, but it can be fun, too. So, but let's say you have one person that goes out, and, and if you go to a disc golf course, you will see some people who are serious. Like they've got the pouch with all the different types of discs that you can have, they know the stance. They're throwing it perfectly. They're working on their form. And then there's people like me. We're just going out there having fun, and, and we're just slinging this thing around, chasing it all over the place in the bushes and in the woods. And these people, they're throwing it, and they're making these really cool shots. And, and, and so you have one person who's out there on a mission. They're there to improve their skill. They're out there to get the disc in the basket, and then you have other people, probably more like me, we're out there just having fun, just messing around. Now, who is going to get better results? The person that is on mission or the person that's just going out there to have fun, just messing around? Obviously, it's the one that's on mission. As Christians, if we are going to see God do a work in and through us, we have to live on mission. We have to 
we have to have a drive within us. And so that's what we want to look at today personally. What, what gives us that drive? What should be driving our life, our focus? You know, God is a purposeful God. He had a purpose before he even created the world. He knew what he was going to do when man sinned. He had a plan for redemption. He didn't just do this. He didn't just wing this. So when we look at our lives, when we look at the work God has given us, we shouldn't just wing it. We need to be purposeful in our lives. As children of God, we need to live purposeful lives. And so tonight we want to talk about our need to live life on mission. If Calvary Baptist Church is going to accomplish the work that God wants us to accomplish in Bayswater and the surrounding suburbs, we need to live on mission. We need to have a purpose. We need to focus. And so to to live on mission, we need to fulfill three aspects. Number one, our purpose. Number two, our practice. And number three, our project. And we'll look at these three aspects here. But before we get into those, let's stop, take a word of prayer, and ask the Lord to meet with us tonight in a profound way. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Father, out of all the religions in the world, out of all the quote-unquote gods that there are, you are the infinite God. You are the God that has proven yourself to be above all other gods. And Father, it is a privilege, it is a pleasure to know you. Thank you for that. And Father, it's also a privilege and a pleasure to be able to serve you. And as we think about this topic of missions, Father, would you take control of this service tonight in my heart and the hearts of everyone here? Father, would you... Would you forgive us where we have fallen short? If there's any sin, Lord, we pray that you would put it out of your sight. Forgive us, God. We pray that you would speak to us. Send your spirit to speak to us through your word. Fill me with the words that you would have. Lord, help us to see what it is that you want us to accomplish in our lives and in this community. So, Father, we pray that you would meet with us tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 11 in just a moment. But we want to look at living life on mission. You know, before you can be a missionary... Truly an effective missionary. Um, It's more than going to Bible college. It's more than knowing how to share the gospel. It's more than uh, knowing how to do the work of missions, how to engage other people. It's a heart transformation that needs to take place. And so we need to look within tonight at our heart. Do we have the heart? What, it, what, what does it take to be a missionary? 
So we want to look, first of all, living life on mission, what's our purpose? What's our purpose? Our purpose is our why. Why do we exist? Do, do you know? Why do you exist? Like, what, why are you alive? Why on earth are you here? Is it just uh, to take up space? Is it to have fun? Is it to, to chase a career? Is it to, why are we here? What's our purpose? Well, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it gives us the answer to this. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know what our purpose is? Our purpose is God's pleasure. That's why we were created. To please God. Not to please man, not to to chase a career, not to make a lot of money, not to... um, No, to please God. Our purpose is God's pleasure. Why don't you say that with me? Our purpose is God's pleasure. Our purpose is God's pleasure. We exist, look at this verse, it shows us that we exist because, number one, God created us. It says, for thou hast created all things. So God created us. So if God created us, he owns us. Think about that. God owns you. So if God created us and if he owns us, he created us Notice it says, for thy pleasure they are and were created. God created us because he wanted to. Think about that. God created you because he wanted to create you. God loves you. You think about that? God wanted you to come into existence. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so if God created you and he owns you and and he wants to have a relationship with you, he created you because it pleased him to create him, then our purpose is to reciprocate that, to, to, to say, okay, God, you owe me. You created me because it pleased you. So, so I want to please you in return. He's given us existence, so, so our job is to please him. Our purpose is God's pleasure. Uh, one, I guess, creed in historic Christianity, it's a very simple statement, but it says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The only way to true fulfillment, the true happiness, is to live for God, to glorify Him and to enjoy Him, to have that relationship with Him. So our purpose is God's pleasure. We were created to please God. Our purpose is God's pleasure. This is why we were created. We need to purpose in our hearts to live for God and His pleasure. So what does it mean to live for God, to to live to glorify God? Uh, First of all, it means to, to live for what makes God happy. In our lives, we ought to be saying, what can I do to make God happy? What pleases God? Second of all, it's, it means to, to make God look good. 
So in the way that we live our lives, do we make God look good? When we, when we carry ourselves out in public, uh, people know we're a Christian. Do we make God look good? Do they say, hey, Christians are, are good people? Or does it say, oh, Christians? I don't want anything to do with Christians. And then thirdly, it means that we make God the focus of our attention. So we make God happy. We make God look good. We, we focus the attention on him. When we have a chance to say something, to speak up for God, do we put the focus on him? Do we share how he's, he's blessed our lives, how he's changed our lives? Do we make God look good? There's an evangelist by the name of David Gibbs. He told a story one time. He was getting onto an airplane. And uh, if you know David Gibbs, he's a rather large man. And so airplanes are not his most favorite place in the world because they tend to be kind of you know, cramped and contained. And as he was getting onto this airline, he was complaining a little bit about how small the seats were. And I guess the stewardess overheard him and said, well, you could stand to lose a little weight. Well, you know, he took a little offense to that. And so he said to the stewardess, well, you could stand to get prettier. (laughs) Not exactly what you would expect an evangelist to say, but he was a little annoyed at that moment. Well... After that, he bent over, apparently, and some tracks fell out of his his pocket. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him, why don't you give her one of those tracks right now? Mm. Not the best testimony to be handing out tracks. So he was convicted, all right? Well, he went back to that stewardess, and he said, look, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I apologize. And he gave her one of the tracks. He said, look, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I want you to read this, you know, whatever. And he went his way. Um, flight came to an end. And as he was exiting the airplane, uh, you know, the stewardess had told him, in all the time I've been doing this, a lot of people have been upset with me. They've said things to me. But you're the only one that has apologized. And at the end of that flight, you know, the captain stands at the cockpit as you leave. The captain uh, pulled him aside and said, look, I'm, I'm a believer. And you made an impact on that stewardess's life. He said, you made Jesus look good. That's our purpose in life, to make Jesus look good. So how are you in your life? Are you making God look good? So we see in Revelation 4.11, this is the why of our existence. um, to, To please God. Our purpose is God's pleasure. But we also see our purpose in how we were designed. So look over at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 will be in verse 26. I would suppose some of you might be able to quote this verse. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We see our purpose and how God designed us. And this verse says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. If you look over at Genesis 2, 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God created us 
with an immaterial aspect to our nature. He created us with a soul. We're not merely flesh and bone. We have a, a soul. We have the ability to, to think, to reason. Uh, we have emotions. We have uh, an understanding of right and wrong. God has given us a conscience. And unlike any other part of God's creation, we have the ability to understand God and to, to have a relationship with God. Unlike any, any other creature, uh, we have a soul that's going to live forever. Um, animals don't have this. So, sorry, Veronica, but Macy, Macy will not be in heaven. I know she's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying inside, yes, Macy's not, no, I'm just kidding. Um, our, our dogs, you know, our, our pets, as lovely as they may be, they're not people. We have a soul. We have a special ability to have a relationship with God. What does this say to us about purpose? Well, God created us to have a relationship with him. That's really our primary purpose, to have a relationship with God. Uh, if you look over at John 17, verse 3, John chapter 17, verse 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Hey, do you know what life is? Life is not living, breathing air and eating and drinking and, and going about the physical world. That's not life at its truest essential form. Life is knowing God. Because without God, there would be no life. This physical life that we live is just for a moment. The life that we're in now, this world we're in now, is, it's going to pass away. But knowing God, that relationship with God, that's truly what makes life, life. People that do not know Christ, they go into eternity apart from Christ, they're going to be separated from God. The Bible calls that death. That separation from, from God, the giver of life. And so, so what God did, he created us for his pleasure to have a relationship with him. And so what should this mean to us? How, how does this affect the way in which we live? What it means is every day we ought to have the goal, the purpose of growing in our relationship with God. That ought to be the main thing that we look forward to each and every day. Today, I'm going to fellowship with God. I'm going to have a relationship with God. You know, there's a problem, though. We, we kind of mess things up. We destroyed our relationship with God through sin, through selfishness. Ultimately, that's what it was. It was selfishness. Adam and Eve wanted to go their way. They wanted what they thought would make them better. Uh, they thought maybe God was keeping something from them. And so, hey, I want to be like God. And that selfishness corrupted that relationship we have with God. But that's why God sent Jesus Christ, to redeem us, to pull us back out of that. And if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, if you don't, haven't experienced life with Jesus Christ, you can do that tonight. You can talk to me or pastor We'll show you from the Bible how you can begin that awesome experience of knowing Jesus and having purpose and fulfillment in your life. 
But for us that know Christ, we need to ask ourselves, do we prioritize our relationship with God above everything else? Or do we allow other things in life to supersede our relationship with God? When it comes to our quiet time, is that one of the first things? Is that the first thing to go if we if we um, are in a pinch for time? Oh, I can always sacrifice my quiet time with the Lord, and I'll do it later, or I'll catch it up later. Or uh, do we make that a priority? Do we say no every day? I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to fellowship with God. I'm going to learn something new about God today. Is that, is that our mindset? Does our time with God and His Word truly reflect that it is our number one purpose and priority? Or do we simply rush through it? Do we stop and take time and say, God, I want to know you better. Show me something about yourself today from your Word. It's not about going through a religious habit. Oh, I, I, I know I have to do this to be a good Christian. No. We were created to have a relationship with God. And so, do you want to? Do you want to develop that relationship with God? It, it will be a pleasure. It will be a joy. That's the way it's supposed to be. So that's our purpose. Our purpose is to please God. Our purpose is to have a relationship with God. So that's our purpose. Now, what is our practice? How do, we, how do we develop our relationship with God? How do we grow in our relationship with God? Our, if our purpose was our why, our practice is our what. What do we do? What should we do to accomplish uh, having this relationship with God, pleasing God? What, what should we do to be a healthy Christian? Uh, so the practical steps here to deepen our relationship with God. Go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm so burdened because I think so many Christians are... They're floating in their Christian life. They're not really growing... They try to read the Bible, and maybe they just they don't think it makes sense, or they, they, and they get discouraged because they're not growing, and they think, is this relationship with Jesus really all that people say it is? And, and they wonder, is this really meaningful and purposeful? Well, here is what the, the Bible tells us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And this book is about the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? What, what is the purpose of life? He says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. How do we have a good relationship with God? We fear God and keep his commandments. Um, the term fear, we, we could... Say it this way, we are to love and respect God. We're to love and respect God. We're to keep his commandments. We're to obey what he has said to do. John 14, uh, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, the Bible says that Abraham 
was the friend of God. And the Bible also says that Abraham feared God, right? So this idea of fear, um, don't let it cause you to think that we're supposed to tremble and fear God like he's going to hit us with a lightning bolt if we mess up. Uh, the idea of this fear, it's a reverential awe. Abraham, he feared God. He had a reverential awe, respect for God. Uh, he believed what God said, and he lived out that, uh, that faith in obedience. And, and as he grew in his faith and as he grew in his obedience, uh, he grew in his love for God. So much so that the Bible calls him the friend of God. Would you like to be known as the friend of God? Wow, how awesome would that be to say, I know God very well. He's, he is a friend to me. You know, you can have that. God, he says, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. He wants to be your closest friend so how do we draw close to God? Well, we come to him with this reverential love, this, this respect, and we obey what he says. And this obedience is birthed out of a love for him. Not, not a, a mere sense of, of duty. Now, duty is good in its place. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we don't feel like doing the Christian thing. We don't feel like coming to church. We maybe don't feel like getting up in the morning and reading our Bible and praying. Uh, so that duty is a good thing when it causes us to know I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to do what I know is best. But really, the, the thing that should motivate us is a love, a deep-rooted love and respect for God. Remembering that He is our Creator. He's the one that's given us life. So we really ought to be more than happy to give back our life to Him. Remembering that our purpose is God's pleasure. Our purpose for being here is to please Him, to have that relationship with Him. And so we ought to be more than willing to say, yes, I'll give back my life to God. I'll, I love God. I want to serve God. And so we practice our relationship with God by fearing Him and keeping His commandments, uh, loving and obeying Him. But then also by growing in our walk with God. And here is when I see... I, I, I think there's a problem in so many Christian lives. They stagnate in their Christian walk. They read their Bible, and it doesn't speak to them. They put their Bible down, and they say, huh, I didn't get anything. They go back the next day, they read their Bible, and it doesn't speak to them. So they put their Bible down, and they say, huh, I didn't get anything. And then they say, you know what, I'm not getting anything, so why should I read it? And so they don't read it one day. Maybe they pick it up again and they say, huh, I didn't get anything. And before long, they're not really reading their Bible. They're not really praying. They're living life, practically speaking, like an atheist. They say they believe in God. They say they believe in Jesus. But the way they live really doesn't show that they actually do because they're not talking to God, and they're not listening to God. And they're not growing in their relationship with Christ. And, and by the way, I want to say this. If, if you feel like you are at that place, now I'm with you, okay? I, I feel that way at times. Um, 
You don't have to be ashamed, though. Come talk to me. I, I am more than happy to, to talk with you, to, to sit down and study the Bible with you. Maybe you think, you know, I'm not getting anything out of the Word when I read. Hey, we can talk about how to study the Bible effectively so that you can get something out of it, so that you can, that you can learn and that you can grow. So please, Pastor and I, we would love to talk to you about those things. You don't have to feel like you're stuck on an island uh, just, oh man, I'm just, the Christian life for me is just, ugh. No, come, come talk to me. We would love to be, uh, uh, you know, help you in that, in that uh, situation. But uh, look over at Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And it will be at verse 18. This verse shows us what the Christian life ought to be like. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Christian life, the relationship we have with God, ought to be a growing relationship. If you're not growing in your relationship with Jesus, then you're not where you should be. So I want to encourage you, don't stay there. If you're not growing, if you don't feel like you're growing, don't stay in that position. Pray and ask God, God, help me to start growing. And like I said, come talk to me or pastor. We want to help you, pray with you, and help you get out of that rut. Because we need to be growing in our Christian life. It says, grow in Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So how do we grow? Look at that word knowledge, the word knowledge. It says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So where, what is knowledge? Where do we get that knowledge? We get it from, what is it? God's Word. That's how we know Jesus better. By looking at the Bible and seeing, hey, look, read the Gospels. They will show you what Jesus is like. They will show you the compassion of Jesus, the, the purity of Jesus, the humility of Jesus. They will show you the the characteristics that you need to have in your life. But also, commune with Jesus. When you read about it, pray and, and say, Lord, I'm reading about you, what you're like. Make me like that. Help me to see that in my daily life. And you know what? You might begin to see as you pray and as you talk to God about his word, you might be able to see in daily scenarios that God will put you in a situation in which you read something from the Bible that morning and you got to practice a virtue of Jesus because you read about that morning and you say, God, help me to, to embody this. You might be surprised what God will start to, to do in your life when you pray in faith asking him to change you, to mold you into the image of, of Christ. So pray and ask God to do this work in you. But it's going to take work on your part. 1 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. It, it takes work. It takes time. Now, has anybody here played piano? Anybody have to do piano lessons? I know Fiona, Fiona you taught piano for a while, right? How much time did you expect your students to play the piano each week 
uh, before they came to your lessons? Half an hour a day, at least half an hour a day. Okay, so I remember when my sisters were playing piano, uh, half an hour a day became like the minimum, okay? So if you're going to practice the piano, if you're going to become good at the piano, half an hour a day. Why is it so often we say five minutes in God's word, I'm good? You want to become an expert Christian with five minutes a day? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know what they say? In order to become an expert in a field, you need 10,000 hours of experience in that field. And we're going to become expert Christians in five minutes a day? I don't think so. So if we're going to become expert Christians, we've got to get serious about studying. We've got to get serious about God's word. We've got to get it into our minds. Um, Study God's word. I don't think I'm going to even ask Ryan how much his students in law have to study. I'm sure that they probably have to pour over those uh, legal documents uh, hour after hour. So we need to study. Make the Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Are we putting God's word in? Are we hiding it? Are we memorizing it? So we need to grow in knowledge. And then number two, we need to grow in grace. We need to grow in grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's God's strengthening power. See uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, Jesus said to the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee. His power to help him endure that thorn in the flesh. It's the virtue of life that causes others to look on us favorably. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says, Jesus grew in favor with God and man. That word favor is the same word for grace. You know, when we take on the characteristics of Jesus Christ, his grace, so to speak, other people will look at us and, and we will grow in favor with them. You know, one of the things that said about the church at Jerusalem it said that they grew in grace in the people around Jerusalem because the people saw their loving, generous spirit toward each other, and they said, wow, that is, uh, that is remarkable generosity. And so the church at Jerusalem, they grew in favor with even the nonbelievers because they saw their generosity was so remarkable. They grew in grace. So how do we grow in grace? And this growing in grace, it is about Jesus Christ taking control of your life. It's about you allowing Jesus to live through you. You ought to come unglued at this thought. The almighty God of the universe wants to live through you. What? Mind blown. So how do we do this? How do we say, God, help live through me? Go over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Some most precious Bible verses that there are that help us to see the heart of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 Here Jesus Christ is is making an appeal. 
He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How are we going to grow in grace? Well, first of all, we need to rest in Christ. Rest in Christ. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Are you tired of toiling in life? Are you tired of struggling with sin and feeling like you're not getting anywhere? Are you tired of trying to do the Christian life and feel like you're just treading water, you're just stationary? Come to Jesus. Stop striving in your own power. Turn to Jesus. Rest in Christ. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He will hear your faintest cry. And ask him, Lord, I need your help. I can't do it in my own. So come to Jesus. Rest in Christ. Number two, verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Second, we need to relinquish to Jesus. It says, Take my yoke upon you. We have to give up our plans and our purposes. I say, okay, Lord, I want, to, I want to get on your agenda. I'm going to take my yoke off. The things that I'm trying to do in my life, they don't matter anymore. I'm going to get under your yoke. I'm going to get going your direction, doing the work that you are doing in this world. Amy Carmichael, the famous missionary to India, said, The night I sailed for China, she actually intended to go to China first, but then she ended up in India. The night I sailed for China, March 3, 1893, my life on the human side was broken. And it was never mended again. But he, Christ, has been enough. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We need to relinquish ourselves to Christ. And then number three, how are we going to grow in grace? First, we rest in Christ. Second, we relinquish to Christ. And third, we replicate Jesus Christ. Graces. Notice verse 29 continues, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now how are we going to grow in grace? By learning of Jesus. What is Jesus like? Well, it continues, For I am meek and lowly in heart. Right there we see two of Jesus' characteristics. Meekness, lowliness. Jesus, he's, he's a humble person. And if you read this in the context, he accepts even the outcast, even those who are weary, even those who have nothing to contribute in themselves. He's not prideful and arrogant. He's not going to turn you away. He's going to accept 
those that come to him. Start reading the Gospels. Start reading, what is Jesus like? Ask yourself, as you start reading through the book of Matthew, what is Jesus like? I want to be like Jesus. And then when you come across a a passage of Scripture, and and it says that Jesus is like, say, compassion, you say... Then you ask God, God, how can I be compassionate today? Give me an opportunity to show compassion to someone today. And then don't be content not to show compassion. Look for that. Ask God, God, help me not to miss that opportunity to show compassion. And let Christ live through you. So how do we grow in grace? We rest in Christ. We we relinquish to Christ. We replicate Christ's graces. So how about this? We wake up in the morning. We read our Bible. We we want to know Christ better. Remember, our purpose is to please God. And one of the ways we please God to fulfill our purpose is a relationship with him. So we read our Bible and we say, okay, I read uh, this in my Bible today. Lord, help me to use this in my day today. Maybe we notice the humility of Christ. So we say, God, help me to, to be humble. And when you're given an opportunity to be humble that day, take advantage of it. Ask the Lord to remind you, help me to take advantage of this opportunity today. Maybe you'll have the opportunity to, to when somebody wants to... Um, acknowledge you at work for a job well done, you can graciously say, hey, well, I had a great team helping me. And people will notice your humility and how you're deflecting the praise. And they'll say, I, I admire that. I, there's, something, there's something admirable about that. You know what that is? That's making God look good. Because if they know you're a Christian, they say, oh, he's a humble Christian. Hmm. That's admirable. So, everything I've said so far, principle-wise anyway, I think is not new to anybody here. I wouldn't really expect uh, most people to say, oh, that was totally brand new to me. Um, I had no idea that my purpose was to please God. Uh, I had no idea that I'm supposed to have a relationship with Christ and and be growing in my relationship with Christ, reading my Bible, and, and praying on a daily basis. This is all pretty foundational. And I understand that. You say, well, we're talking about missions, so why are we talking about these basic foundation, foundational elements? Because if we don't have these foundations right, then our missions work is not going to be effective. There's, it would be very sad for us to create a lot of programs here at Calvary Baptist Church that we're going to reach Bayswater for the glory of God with the gospel of Christ, and to go about it in our human effort, to go about it without consulting the one who really is supposed to be doing the work, Christ, through us. And so I want to ask you, don't just let these words fall and say, okay, great, Sunday evening service, another message in the books. I came to church, I did my time. I want to ask you, 
tomorrow morning, when the alarm goes off, I know how hard it is to get out of bed, to spend time with the Lord. Are we going to sacrifice our time with God for a few extra minutes of pleasure in bed? Or are we going to get up? And are we going to say, God, I, I value my relationship with you. And I want to learn about you today. I don't want to just read a few verses and say, okay, I did my Christian. I want to learn of you. I want to rest in you. I want to see you working through me. I want to see that this Christian thing that we talk about is really real in my life. Because there are people out there, like I talked about at the beginning, they're looking at Christians and they're saying, they say this, but they don't really live it. So I'm going to go do this new age thing where I can feel and experience this consciousness of God and it feels so real to me. It feels a lot more real than it looks in those Christians. And they can go off and, and really they're communing with themselves and maybe something far worse. And, and they don't have a personal God. They don't know Jesus Christ in that teaching. You know, other people, maybe our neighbors, we live in a multicultural city. Maybe we have Hindu neighbors, Muslim neighbors, atheist neighbors. Do they look at us and say, oh, those Christians, they're just the run-of-mill Christians. They, they go around with their gospel, and, but they don't really live out the love of Christ. I don't really see anything different about them. And the reason I'm, I'm stressing that we need, to be in God, we need to be embracing our relationship with Christ is because we cannot manufacture the change. You say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to show it up on my neighbors. I'm going to start being kind to them and, and loving them and doing all these things to, to get them, to win them over to Christ. If you're doing it out of that motivation, I don't know if you're going to be successful. Because sooner or later, they, they will probably see through the facade. Oh, I see why he's being nice to me. He just wants me to come to church with him. Oh, okay. You know, I don't know that Jesus, I don't know, I'm speculating here, but I don't know that he had a sign up, okay, for all the, the sick people that were coming to him. Unless you're willing to listen to one hour of my teaching, you can't come and be healed. I don't know. I, I have a feeling he healed nine lepers who didn't stop to give gratitude. I have a feeling he just loved people and he wanted to help people, regardless of what they were going to do for him in return. So if we are living like Jesus, we will do things for other people simply because that's the way Jesus is. We'll forget about ourselves and we'll say, Lord, I just want you to flow through me. You know, we might actually start catching ourselves doing things for other people 
and not even realizing it. People might start looking at us and saying, man, you're loving people in some pretty unique ways, and you might be oblivious to it. Because you're simply letting Jesus live through you and change you. So we're we're talking about the the foundations of what it is to, to be a Christian because we can't be a missionary in Bayswater until we're first truly engaged with the Lord. And we've talked about our purpose. Our purpose is to please God. Our purpose revolves around our relationship with God. And that relationship must be a growing relationship in which we are in God's word. We're learning about Jesus. We're growing. We're resting in him. We're relinquishing our, our, our effort to him, and we are, we are replicating his graces through his power, submitting to him. This is living like Jesus. It pleases God. It's fulfilling our purpose. It's, it's developing our relationship with him, because if we're living like Jesus, we're going to be in fellowship with him. We're practicing our obedience to him, but it's out of a heart of love. It's natural. It's not forced. And so then this brings us to the project. So we've looked at the purpose. We've looked at the practice. Now let's look at our project. What is the project of missions? Look at Matthew chapter 22. If you're in Matthew 11, just turn over a few pages to Matthew chapter 22. If we could boil down... The teaching of the New Testament, what is the commandment of the New Testament? It would be found here in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, starting in verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So what is our project here in Bayswater? It's to let God fill us with his love. To to engage in a loving relationship with God, first and foremost. We've got to make God number one. We've got to make our relationship with him primary. Our life literally needs to revolve around our relationship with Jesus Christ. The time we spend, the energy we put out, the money that we use, everything needs to revolve around our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to put God first. But then second, we need to love people. You're... You're not, gonna, you're not really loving God properly or, or fully if you're not loving people. Because to love God, it, 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 by default, you're going to love people. Because God has a heart for people. He loves people. And, and that's why he says uh, here in uh, verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, he puts these two commandments together. They go together. To love God and to love people, it's just, they, 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 you can't really separate them. And so living like Jesus, when we are growing in his grace, trying to get to know him better, 
allowing him to live through us, the natural result is going to be that we're going to reach out to people. We're going to look for people in need and say, hey, there's a need. I'm, I've got to help this person. We're going to look to, to do things for other people without them even asking us. You know, I have a friend named Braxton, and one thing about Braxton is he had this knack. He was always one step ahead of you. He, he could anticipate your need, and he would say, hey, I've got this. Here, here, let me give this to you because you might need this for that. Do you look, for people, look out for people that way? Look for their needs? And, and Hey, it's about not focusing on ourselves, but focusing on others. One author put it this way, we need to become love. Let love be your heartbeat for other people. Somebody will ask you, hey, why did you do that kind thing for them? I, I don't know. It's just, it was a loving thing to do. That's just how I, that's just how I roll. I love people. You know, he even said in his book, you know, sometimes it's hard to love certain people. We all have those people in our lives, right? It's it's challenge. And so he he developed this this thought. Okay, whenever I had to 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 interact with that person, I would say to myself, Okay, Lord, help me love this person for 30 seconds. All right? I can love them for 30 seconds, all right? That's just half a minute. That's easy, right? And when that 30 seconds was up, he would say, Lord, help me love them for 30 more seconds. 30 more seconds. I don't know. Maybe that will help you. But the next time you deal with that person who is a pain to deal with, just say, Lord, help me love them for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Because when we are growing in our relationship with God and His grace, we are going to love people. Living like Jesus, it, it will mean exhibiting extreme forms of love. We talked about the Good Samaritan last Sunday. That was an extreme form of love. Take advantage of those times that you have to help other people. When you see someone in need and you can meet their need, don't pass it by. One preacher said uh, of the, the story of the Good Samaritan, he said, who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is anyone whose need I see that God has put me into a position to meet. Anyone whose need you see that God has put you into a position to meet. That's your neighbor. You know, you want to you reach Bayswater with the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are people out there, they're, they're hurting they're lonely. They're, they're trapped in deception. They don't know Christ. They don't know the joy and love of Christ. How are we going to reach them? We're going to reach them by one at a time as we see them in need and we reach out to them and help them and we show them the love of Christ. And this isn't a project. This isn't a, a church program. This isn't something that Pastor Manny is spearheading the Calvary uh, or Bible uh, Baptist Church 
uh, outreach program where we're going to go into the community and we're going to draw them in like the, just like the nets, pull all these people in like fish and we're just going to pull them in. We've got this technique and we've, we've got these slick words and we're going to just get people into church. No. This is organic. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ living through us, meeting people one person at a time. You know, that is one of the things that stood out to me about Calvary Baptist Church when I got here. The loving spirit that is in this place. The accepting spirit people have when we have people from all different backgrounds here. That's awesome. That's organic. That is something that God is doing in our midst through His Spirit. Now let's take it out of the walls of Calvary Baptist Church into the, the lives of our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, our family. Let's, let's show people the love of Christ. Let's let Christ live through us and touch them. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Love God, love people. That's our project. But then also, let's look over at Matthew chapter 28 briefly as we begin to close. And I say as we begin to close because whenever the speaker mentions something about closing, people perk up. Oh, we're, we're just about done. So to draw you back in, all right, get your attention. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is our project, to go reach the world. Uh, what, is it, what is it saying? Well, look at verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach, it means to disciple. We could say it like this. Go make disciples. How do you make disciples? How did Jesus make disciples? Oh, you go get a bunch of people, you put them in a classroom, and you start teaching them all these principles? How did Jesus make disciples? Two came up to him and said, hey, Master, can we see where you abide? Where do you dwell? He said, yeah, sure, come with me. Let's go home. He spent time with them. He let them come into his life. He let them observe him. Have you ever heard this, this saying, more is caught than is taught? You know, the world, to be quite honest, I think the world is kind of tired of hearing Christians teach. Because they, they've heard it for so long. You jump on YouTube, you jump on online, they, they can find Christian teaching if they want to. But they're kind of tired of it because, uh, number one, they see a lot of teaching, but they don't necessarily see a lot of doing. How do you really disciple someone? You disciple someone by modeling, by mentoring, through example. That was Jesus' strength. His teaching was effective because he had the life to back it up. Let's not get that out of order. 
we can teach all we want here at Calvary Baptist Church. But if our lives aren't backing it up, we can go letterboxing, distributing tracts, we can put up billboards and signs, we can fill the airways. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But people aren't necessarily looking for more gospel literature. They're looking for genuine relationships, genuine Christianity. They want to see if it's real. So let's review. God has given us a purpose. It's to please him. And by the way, when we embrace that purpose, we will find satisfaction and fulfillment like none other. You're not going to get it with a a great career. You're not going to get it with a relationship. You're not going to get it with pleasure. That's all temporary. God's eternal. I'll say from personal experience, there's nothing that beats your relationship with Christ. Nothing else. God's given us a purpose, and that purpose is to please Him, and it pleases Him for us to have a loving, growing relationship with Him. And that is how we are going to accomplish the work of missions here at Calvary Baptist Church. Not by starting up some grand programs, not by canvassing the whole entire Bayswater community with the gospel. It's going to start when we rest in Christ. When we relinquish our plans and our purposes to what Christ is trying to do here in Bayswater. And then when we replicate the character of Christ. When we say, okay, God, I want to get serious about knowing you. And not just knowing you, but I want to see you experientially living through me. Philippians chapter 3 says, some of my favorite verses, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10. The Apostle Paul saying, that I may know him that I might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Do you want to see God work through you? The power of God work through you and the fellowship of his sufferings. And let's be honest, when we get serious about God and letting him work through us, we may very well experience challenges and sufferings. There's a warning, Calvary Baptist Church. If we're going to get serious about the mission God has for us, there may come persecution. But Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. But you know what happens when we, if we have to embrace persecution, you know what's going to happen? 
we are going to identify with Jesus. We're going to know him at such a deeper level than we've known him before. That's what that suffering will do. If by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Remember, our purpose is not this world. We have future hope. We have to maintain that eternal perspective. The song goes, all I once held dear. All this world wars to own. It doesn't matter anymore. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no better thing. You're my all. You're my best. You're my joy, my righteousness. Knowing you, Jesus. This little anecdote is subscribed to an unknown monk. I don't know who it was, but I've heard that it was a a Chinese proverb. I'm, I'm not sure, but it goes like this. When I was young, I wanted to change the world. But I found it hard to change the world, so I decided I'll change my country. It was hard to change my country, so I decided I'll just focus on changing my family. And as I got older, I realized that I couldn't even change my family. And when I became an old man, I realized if I had just changed myself, I would have changed the world. If we allow Jesus Christ to change us, He can change the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. May it not be vain time spent, Lord. Please, Lord, help us not to forget what you've told us tonight. Lord, we want to do your work in this community. Lord, we give ourselves to you. Take us, use us, help us, Lord, to develop our relationship with you and then be amazed at what you can do. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.